Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day can often be a day of many mixed emotions. Um, some you're expecting moms and your first baby's going to be coming through, um, before the end of the year, and that's awesome. You're experiencing all kinds of emotions. Others, there's, there's loss in this room. That Maybe this is our first year without our mom. Or maybe we've lost children ourselves. And so Mother's Day can be a mixed emotion. It can be either remembering what I do have and being so excited and joyful over it. Or it can also be a reminder of what I don't have. And so women, we honor all of you. We love you all. Whether you are a spiritual mom, a mom mentor, if you are a mother who is lost, we pray with you. We believe for God for doing great things in your life and continual healing in Jesus' name. And so we are with you. We are a family. Come on, somebody. We laugh together. We cry together. We push through together. And so I love you all, and I'm glad that you are here today. So my name is Pastor Lindsay. For those of you I have not had the chance to meet yet, and I love, love, love teaching God's Word. Because it's filled with real stories about real people, just like you and just like me. Friends, it is relatable. So it means that I can look at the life of someone in the Bible and I can say, you know what? I feel that. I understand what they're going through. I've gone through that too. And today I want to look at the life of a woman. Her name is not told to us in the Bible. But her life, her disappointments, her discouragements, her greatest just moments in her life are laid out before us. And I believe that her life is recorded in God's word for a reason. And I want us to learn from that life today. So you can open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. You can also turn on your phone and go to your Bible app. We are a phone-friendly church. Come on, somebody. You can check in on Facebook, take notes there, let your family know that you are hanging out here at Avenue today. So 2 Kings chapter 4, let me pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask right now that all of our hearts would be open, our minds would be open in the mighty name of Jesus, that you have got something for each of us today. So whether we are male or female, God, you've got a word. And so I pray that we would be open enough to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, one day Elisha went to the town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. And after that, whenever he would pass by that way, he would stop at her house for something to eat. Now, I got to tell you a little bit about hospitality in ancient Israel because it is nothing like what we're used to today. If you were a traveler in ancient Israel, friends, there were no hotels. There were no McDonald's drive throughs And Lord have mercy, there was not a Starbucks. Some of y'all are scary with your coffee. That's why we give you free coffee. We need you like happy. <laughs> I'm scary without coffee. I can relate. But there are, you are literally at the mercy of somebody in that town opening their home to you. You are at the mercy of whether or not somebody would choose to be hospitable. And so my husband is from Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo is not just a movie, friends, where people get hacked. Like Fargo is a real place where people grow up and people live. And, and Jeremy grew up there. And he'll tell you that after he was 18 years old, he moved away from Fargo to North Carolina. And then from North Carolina, a couple years later, he would move to Birmingham, Alabama. And yeah, whoop, whoop, we got some Alabama. Come on, Bama fans in the house. But some people will tell you, he will tell you that no one called to visit him when he lived in North Carolina. Nobody called and said, hey, can I come visit you and spend spring break with you when he lived in Birmingham, Alabama. But come on, when he moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, you had friends that you didn't even like in high school calling you up. 
hey, buddy, I'm going to be in Vegas. You have cousins that you don't even know you're related to. Yes, you share the, na- the same last name, but you're like, I have never seen you a day in my life. But they find you on Facebook, and they tell you that they are coming to Vegas, and they want to make time to see you. And the best way to make time to see you would be if you let me stay at your house. I re- yeah, you got it. You know this, right? Because we're from Vegas. I remember we told a relative once, like, we don't even have a guest room. They're like, that's okay. I'll take the couch. My couch ain't even comfy, friend. That's okay. I'm going to take the floor. And by the way, I'm bringing a friend. How many of y'all have had that story? You've had that phone call. Because we live in Las Vegas. But see, Elisha was not a distant relative to this woman. He wasn't a friend. Elisha was a holy man of God, the Bible tells us. He was a prophet. And see, prophets, they had some jobs to do for God. They would speak words from God. They would perform great miracles. They were powerful, and they were anointed. And this woman recognized this about Elisha. And she said, I want to invite you in for a meal. In fact, she recognized this blessing so much on this man. Come on, because when something comes around you that you know is just good, you want more of it. And so she goes to her husband, and she says, hey, honey. Some of y'all have said, hey, honey, to your spouse, and they get terrified. Chills run down their back. Not because you called them honey, because they don't know what you're about to ask them to do. And some of y'all come up and say, hey, honey, I saw this great thing on Pinterest. And I definitely know you're not a carpenter, and I'm not a carpenter, but we can, like, totally build this. And we try to build something, right? Anyone ever had a Pinterest disaster? But see, this woman did this with her husband. She goes, hey, honey, I want to build this man of God a room. So you see that roof on our house. Let's build him an addition. And let's put a a bed there and a lamp there and a chair and a desk. And so whenever he comes through this town, this will be where he stays. And the husband said, yeah, let's do it. And so Elisha had a home. Why? Because when there is the presence of God happening, when there is blessing happening, we make room in our lives for it, don't we? Because we want more of it. So she made some more room. And so whenever he would pass by, he would stay there. And Elisha was so overwhelmed by her uh, hospitality. She was so hospitable to him that he said, what can I do for you? Now you understand, Elisha wasn't just any prophet. Elisha was the prophet that received Elijah's double portion. So Elijah called down fire from heaven. Elijah raised people from the dead. Like Elijah did some amazing, incredible things. And so whatever Elijah did, Elisha was going to do it two times over. And so he had double portion anointing. So it would be as if God himself were asking you, what can I do for you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what would I say if God asked me, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Would you be like, <laughs> like, you just, you can't find words. Have you ever been caught off guard and somebody asks you a question, you're like, I got nothing. Or would you be like, funny, you should ask God. And you take a four-page list out of your back pocket. Whoosh, I've been meaning to have this conversation with you. And you just go off on all these things that God can do for you. Now, I don't know how you would respond. I really don't know how I would respond. But he asked this woman, what can I do for you? And this is her first response. Nothing. I don't need anything. I'm good. See, friends, we know from the scripture that this woman is a wealthy woman. But that's all we know. We know that she's a God-fearing woman because she's blessing the man of God. But surely there has to be something that she needs. I can tell you that money doesn't buy happiness. It buys distractions. It purchases things that can give you enjoyment. Money's a good thing. I'm not lying about that. 
but it's not going to fill every void in your life. So surely there has to be something that this woman wants or that this woman needs. But she says nothing. And as I was reading the scripture, I'm like, girl, there ain't nothing you need. Like some of us come into church and we look good, right? It's Mother's Day. We put our extra makeup on. Our hair is good. Men, you look distinguished. You are good. You, you buttoned up your shirt for your mama today. Like we look good. But I can tell you that no matter how good you appear on the outside, no matter how much you show your family or your coworkers or your neighbors that you got it all together, God knows your wants and your needs. Like we can't fool our heavenly father who knows all things. And so if there is something that we need in our life, he knows it. So Elisha did not buy this woman's answer, and I'm glad that he did. So he calls a friend. Because hear me, when somebody's not going to tell you the truth, you find somebody who will tell you the truth, right? If you've ever been in any management and you want to find out what's really going on your team, your team ain't telling you, but they're telling each other. You find somebody on that team. What are they talking about? So Elisha calls Gehazi, and Gehazi is his assistant. And he said, hey, Gehazi, come here. So Gehazi comes and he says, what can I do for this woman? And see, Gehazi's in the know. And so he says, she has no son, and her husband is old. Elisha says, call her. See, I believe that today God wants to call some people to him. I believe that God wants to call out to both men and women today, regardless of social status, regardless of even spiritual status right now. Maybe you are so far from God, or maybe you are the closest thing to him. I don't know. But I know that God wants to call people because he has something to say to them today. That there's something that God wants to do in our lives today on May 12th. And so he says, call her. And so this woman comes to him and she stands in the doorway. And he tells her that by this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And all of a sudden, it's in her second response that we really see who this woman is. And she says, oh no, my Lord. Don't you dare say that. Don't you dare get my hopes up. Oh, Lord, don't you dare bring up the thing that's pained me. Don't you dare, oh, man of God, bring up the topic that I buried a long time ago. Don't you go poking the bear, man of God. I've already set this aside, and I already decided that this was not going to happen in my life, so I have already moved on. Don't you dare go and get my hopes up. See, today I want to talk to you about buried dreams. Because I believe that this woman is a perfect example of what it's like to have a buried dream. What is a dream? A dream is something that God has given us. It's that we know that we know that we know that we were created to do something. And whether it is a promise, whether it is a dream, he's put something. He's given us a picture, an idea, a thought. And you just know you got to do this. Have you ever been given a word from God and you go just running right out the chute? And you are excited because, uh, come on, dreams take work, friends. You ever been called to start a business? Are you an entrepreneur? That takes work. You ever been called to head up a department, but you don't have all the matching experience? That takes work. And so what do you do when you've got a dream from God? You start digging. And you dig with your sweat. Come on. You dig with your blood, your tears. Some of you have been digging with your bank accounts. You have invested. Because when we believe that something has happened, maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a relationship that we have put so much work into because we thought this is what was supposed to be for me. Or maybe it's like this woman whose name we do not know, that she put in some work to having a family. But what happens when days go by, when weeks go by, when months go by, and for some of us, years and years of digging, and instead of seeing the dream, the promise that we believe God gave us materialize, we see nothing. And we have a decision to make in those moments. 
do I dig another day? Or do I look out at all the digging I've done? And instead of seeing progress, I see holes in the ground. And instead of believing that God can still do what he said he's going to do, discouragement and disappointment set in. Do you know what the definition of disappointment is? It's the discouragement that the thing that you have hoped for, it's depression. I am depressed because the thing that I have hoped for has failed. So you believe your dream is, is failed. It's ended. And so we look at and we see potential or we see progress or we see holes. And what so many of us do, just like the shooting woman, is that we take the dream and we drop it in the ground and we walk away. And we declare that our dream is dead. Have you ever buried a dream? Have you ever buried a dream? I want to show you a picture of my family. That is my son, Levi. He is seven years old. He is fun and sassy and full of life and just a joy. And uh, that's our Facebook-worthy picture, right? That was a picture before one of our A-team members' wedding. So y'all look good. You know, we want to take a picture real quick. But how many of y'all know that's not real life like at all? And so let me show you my real life picture. Come on. That's really the Bosmas, friends. Messy hair, don't care. Nobody's getting out of bed without a sippy cup or some milk or some coffee. And so if you haven't had one of those days, you truly have not lived life. <laughs> some of y'all won't even put a picture like that on your Instagram. Show us the real stuff, not just the highlights. That's real life. But I remember when we first got married, we've been married almost 12 years. And when we first got married, we had a five-year plan. How, where are my planners at? Come on, you plan things out, right? We had a five-year plan. We were both pastors when we got married. And it's not that we wanted to do holy things. We wanted to do practical things. Like we wanted to buy a home. We wanted to purchase a second car. We thought that would be smart. And the, the holiest of things or the smartest things was we wanted to go to Hawaii before we had children. Some of you are like, dang it, I wish I would have had that plan. I done had my children. So we had this idea. And so a year goes by and then 18 months go by and I start getting an itch. I'm like, whew, I kind of want to have a baby. And I hear me, ladies, I talked to my husband about it. I just didn't stop certain practices, and then, whoop, we have a baby. I encourage you to talk to your husband if you want to change up the plan. So I talked to my husband, and I said, hey, babe, I'm kind of wanting to have a baby. How do you feel about that? He said, I am feeling the same thing. I go, oh, praise the Lord. And so we throw that five-year plan out the door, and we get to work. You just got that. Come on. <laughs> if you're married, it's holy, it's good. Don't worry about it. Y'all need to come to mixtape or remix. So, but what we did is six months go by, right? A year goes by. Two years go by. We're at the end of the third year, and we are finally pregnant. Now, friends, some of you have been working at things for 10 years, 15 years. And when you feel that you've arrived at your destination after obstacles and disappointments and roadblocks, man, it feels good when you believe you finally arrived. And I remember we were just a few weeks away from Christmas, and we were about to announce to our family when we started having complications. I did, only to find out that the baby was growing where it wasn't supposed to be growing and that it would never survive. And I remember my doctor telling me, she said, Lindsay, like this ends today. And I remember telling her, I just, I need some time to process. Some of you have received news that you never got a chance to process. You received a phone call when you were away on vacation or a work trip of something that happened at home that was horrific. Or maybe you were at work and you get the phone call that you don't want to get, that someone in your family has passed away, or a friend is no longer with you. I get that. And a lot of times when we hit crisis, we don't have a chance to process. And she said, Lindsay, you will not survive if you take another day. We need to handle this now. And I remember I was devastated. 
I wasn't angry at God, but I was just really sad. But how many of y'all know even after a crisis, Monday still comes, doesn't it? Responsibility still comes. Bills are still due. And so I push my, my stuff aside and I go and do what needs to be done. And I remember two months later, we were at a youth retreat because my husband was a youth pastor at that time. And no one knew that we had lost a child because we'd never announced that we were having a child. And this youth leader comes to me because everyone is worshiping up front. And if you ain't ever been to a youth retreat, guys, it's crazy. It's smelly. I can't tell you that they necessarily shower, but they go after Jesus. And it is awesome. But I'm in the back, and I'm just being kind of quiet. I'm a little sad. And a youth leader comes up to me, and she says, Pastor Lindsay, what can God do for you? Now, if you know me at any personal level, you never have to ask what I'm thinking because I'm going to tell you. I come from a very direct family, and so I blurt out, I want a baby. And she says this to me, because you have been better and not bitter, God is going to bless you with a child. And that Monday I came home and I found out that I was pregnant with my son Levi. It's awesome, right? It's awesome. But hear me, that was never my dream. My dream was to have more children. I wanted to be hashtag Bosma party of five. For all my 90s kids, right? <laughs> party of five. I wanted three kids and I wanted them all before the age of 30. And so here's my dream. We decide that we're going to continue building this family. So a year after Levi was born, we go back to work. And I remember we were in this, um, this prayer and fasting series at church. And we were praying big prayers. We were basing it off a book called The Circle Maker, if any of you are familiar with it. And he says, I don't want you to pray the cute little Christian prayers. I want you to pray like big, audacious prayers, like prayers where heaven and earth need to be moved. So I was praying and circling big prayers. I prayed that, Lord, I want another child. And I got specific. I need it to be growing in the right place. I'd like it to be healthy, Lord. I want it to be good looking. Come on, somebody. I want this to be a beautiful child. Three years later, I finally become pregnant only to lose that child too. And I remember coming out of my doctor's office and I'm in the parking lot and I have my dream in one hand and if you will, a shovel in the other hand. Friends, it had been eight years of digging, eight years of battling infertility, eight years of trying to grow a family. And that day in that parking lot, I decided that my pain was too great and my disappointment too large and I dropped my dream in the ground and I buried it. I left it in, I left it in the parking lot. See, some of us have encountered things, and I'm not talking just minor disappointments, like vacation didn't go the way I planned, or I didn't get the extra days off that I wanted. I'm talking like you were supposed to have a job that was going to forever change your family, like the dream job that would take you to your dream city, allow you to build and buy the dream house, the, the school that you wanted to provide for your kids. I'm talking that fell through at the very last minute. Or the healing that you were hoping for and believing for, and that person passed away of cancer. Or maybe like this woman, the family you wanted to build didn't happen. And so what do we do in these moments of disappointment? What do we do in these big moments where we believe that our dreams have died? Because here is the reality. As I'm processing all of these things, all of this loss and all this disappointment, God begins to speak to me and says, Lindsay, there's a problem with buried dreams. And the problem with buried dreams is that I never declared them dead. You declared that dream was dead. Jesus never declared time of death on that promise or that dream or that desire that he gave you. We declared that that dream had died. 
And what Jesus began to share with me is that, Lindsay, you held a funeral that I wasn't even invited to. You made arrangements that I never asked you to make. And my God, I am the God who says that there is still a heartbeat in that dream. And thank God we serve a God of resurrection who brings dreams back to life. So what can I tell you about buried dreams? Number one is that our God does not fail. It is impossible. It is not in his nature to fail. One of my favorite scriptures is in Joshua 21, 45. It says this, that not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord gave to the children of Israel, not a single one didn't come to pass. Meaning like every single one of them came to pass. Not a single one fell through the cracks. Some of you are right here today, and you feel like you have fallen through the cracks. Now, there is no way that this God in heaven sees me. He doesn't even know that I am in this chair today. And he says, yes, I do. And although you can't hear the heartbeat anymore of that buried dream, it's still very much alive to me. And so there are some lessons that I had to learn about buried dreams is that his timing is perfect, but it ain't reasonable. It's not reasonable. It's reasonable to him. It ain't reasonable to me. When we always say, God's never late, but he's always on time. No, my friend, he is late. <laughs> he is late. I wanted all of these babies by the time I was 30. I am so much closer to 40 than I am to 30. It's not fair. What else have I learned about this? That his purpose is greater than my plans. There is a scripture that drives me nuts. It talks about that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know what it tells me? I can plan all day long. But if it ain't God's mix, it ain't going to happen. Not the way that I want it to happen. But his timing is perfect, not reasonable. His purpose is greater than my plans. And the last thing that I had to learn about buried dreams is that pain is an incredible teacher if you process, process its lessons. Let me say it again. Pain is probably the best teacher if you take the time to process its lessons. But if you're like me, you tuck it away and you go find something else to do. See, after I had lost that second baby, I walked away from that dream of growing my family. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be hashtag Bosma party of three. And I remember I didn't walk away from Jesus, friends. God had just told us to plant a church. And so we were busy doing things of God. And that's what, isn't that what so many of us do? Is we pick up a new dream. Or we just put all of our efforts. And you wonder sometimes men, Women, you wonder why your men are so, you feel like they're distracted or they're so focused. No, they're throwing themselves into something else. Because a lot of times this isn't what we want to deal with. We can't deal with it. It's too painful. Or we do not see any end to the means. And so we just pick up something else and we move on. See, I remember two months after we lost that child, my husband gets a text message. And it says, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know me, but I'm so-and-so. And I'm so-and-so's sister. And I'm thinking, who gave this person my husband's phone number? You ever got that? You ever get the text message and you're like, dang it, who gave them my number? Well, this girl texts him. And she goes, I had a dream about you last night. And she goes this. You were in the back of the sanctuary. And you were looking at the platform with great expectation. And your wife was standing next to you and she was pregnant. And I woke up from that dream and I asked God, what do you mean? And what am I supposed to say to him? Like, why am I having this dream? And the Lord began to tell her, tell him that I see the way he prays for his wife. I see the way his heart breaks for his wife, and she will have a child. And so my husband's sitting in his lazy boy chair, and he shows me this text message, and I say, okay. And I walk away. Because hear me, just because you heard something doesn't mean you received something. 
My heart was not in the place where I was ready to receive because I never let pain do its process in learning and teaching me. So two months go by again. And I kid you not, I get a Facebook message. You gotta love Facebook because anybody can reach out to you on Facebook. And it is from, if I were to say the name, you would know this very, very famous pastor. And this is a relative of this very famous pastor whom I have never met. And she messages me and says, hey, Lindsay, I know you may, know, may not know me, but I am so-and-so. And last night, it's weird, but I had a dream about you. And in my dream, you were working busy at a church and you had a daughter, but she was not with you. And when I woke up from that dream, the Lord told me that he sees you, but it's not going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. She doesn't know my story. She doesn't know who I am. And so I do the Christian thing. Oh, God bless you, sister. Like, thank you so much for the encouragement. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Don't we do that, though? Oh, how are you? I'm so blessed. And you're like, I hate my family. Like, my life is falling apart. My husband, I'm not even talking to him. Like, you know what I mean? But we put our game face on. And so I game face right back to her. Oh, praise Jesus. And I forgot about it. Now, I love this about God. Because no matter how much we turn our back on him, he never turns our back, his back on us. No matter how many times I refuse to open the door to when he's talking to me, he keeps talking. And so I laugh at this one because just a couple months later, God got funny. I'm like, God, you got jokes. Because, friends, I got a letter from jail. I got a t I'm not even kidding. I got a text message. I got a Facebook message. And then I got a letter from jail. Now, I was raised East Las Vegas. Nellis was not my maiden name. It was the street that I lived off of from the age of zero to like 32. Nellis, East Las Vegas. And it was not uncommon for my friend to be like at church on Sunday and be in jail on Monday like it happened, right? It's just the, the, the hood I lived in. It's okay. We still love them. And so this is what he writes to me. He says, another reason I write to you is because I actually had a dream about you. It's a beautiful Sunday at church. And then he starts calling out people like, so-and-so is still short. This person's still loud. This person still can't dress themselves, right? I'm like, okay, that's real nice. <laughs> but he goes, everything is all the same. Except Levi was older. And he had a beautiful blonde little sister. Her eyes were light brown and as big as a Japanese cartoon character. I saw her, Pastor. She was there. She must have been three years old in my dream. Remember, mustard seed faith. Nobody knew about the loss of my first baby. Certainly no one knew about the loss of my second baby. And then here's a man sitting in a jail cell, and God gives him a dream. And I remember when I opened that up in my office at my church, I could feel my spirit wanting to believe again. Hope doesn't always feel good. Can I be honest with you? Hope sometimes brings some fear, doesn't it? Hope requires vulnerability that what I place my trust in, it's going to do what it says it's going to do. And I could feel the spirit in me saying, I want to connect to God and I want to believe that this is gonna happen. But because I never processed my pain, I took that letter and I stuck it in the bottom drawer of my desk. Three months later, kid you not, you're like, Lindsay, I would've slapped you by now. Like three strikes, you're out. Like you knock once, you knock twice, you're done. But come on, my God knocked once. My God didn't knock just twice. My God didn't knock just three times. A fourth time, he came knocking on my door. And a woman comes into my office. 
a woman that I don't know very well. Her child goes to the school that's attached to our church. And I think she's coming with a school problem. And she just wants to vent. So I open my door and she says, Pastor Lindsay, I had a dream about you. I'd like to talk to you. And I think, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't roll my eyes at her, guys. I'm a professional. Like, it's just in my head. And so she goes, can I talk to you? And I said, yes. She goes, Pastor Lindsay, I, I, in my dream, you were selling your house. And you moved to a new house. And in this new house, there were people that I did not recognize. Now hear me, friends. I had just put my house for sale the week before. My pastor knew that we were moving away to plant a church. Nobody in our congregation of 1,600 people, nobody knew we were planting a church. Just my pastor. I lived in an HOA community. You either love HOA or you hate HOA. I could not put a for sale sign in the front of my home. Nobody knew that my home was for sale. And so this woman comes to me and said, you sold your house. And you moved to a new home and there's people in your house that no one recognized. They're all brand new. She didn't know that God was calling us to another part of the city to reach people who were brand new to me and that I would be brand new to them. She says, but in this dream, Pastor, you were pregnant. I was like, oh, no. I'm thinking, no, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. She goes, Pastor, my dream continued. I came back to that very same house. It was a little bit remodeled, filled with new people. And you were holding a baby girl. And her name was first name, middle name. Friends, she said a name that I had only written in my journal. She said a name that I hadn't even told my husband. She said a name that I wouldn't dare tell to my girlfriends because, come on, they steal that name if they have a baby before you. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Keep that locked down. But she said her first and her middle name. I broke. I wasn't even prepared to break. Some of y'all got to come to church, and you wear waterproof mascara because you just know, Right? I had no waterproof mascara on. Maybelline was all over this. <laughs> I had snot coming out of places. I'm like, it's not even coming out of this. <laughs> I looked broke ugly, like ugly broke. But it was okay. And in that moment, I heard God say, trust me. Trust me. And that day, I picked up my dream again. I dusted it off. Got the dirt off of it. And I decided that I was going to believe for her again. Friends, that was three years ago. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. His timing is perfect. It's not reasonable. His purpose is greater than my plans. And some of you are here, you are still in the waiting room. And I can't tell you because I'm not God. I don't know how long your waiting room is going to be. I remember once God used Pastor Monica to speak to me. You're not going to be as old as you fear, but you're not going to be as young as you'd like to be. It's a legit fear. Like there are people in the Bible that you look at and you're like, I want their story. And there's other people like, I don't want that story. Like, I don't need to be Sarah, right? That ain't no Abraham. Like you don't need to have the Abraham anointing. I ain't down with that. <laughs> I could be Hannah, right? Hannah was just like sobbing and people thought she was drunk. You could call me drunk, but man, if I gotta be like 75 and having a baby, I don't know how I feel about that. So there are legit fears that come when we pick back up hope. But my God is still the God who gave me the dream. And I am here to tell you today that I have got one purpose in this room. And it's not just to wish you a happy Mother's Day. It is to tell you just like God used Gehazi to go tell the woman that God has something that he wants to say to you. 
And I am simply a messenger coming to say that God is calling you. And there are dreams in this room that still very much have a heartbeat, that still have a destination. Now hear me, I'm going to be real with you for a minute. There are dreams that have expired. Ladies, if he is married, that dream has expired. You may have missed that one, okay? But that doesn't mean that your God isn't great enough to give you another one, a better one. Come on. God is in the building of dreams. That is what he does. And he is also the creator of grace. So even if we messed up with that dream and we think there's no way that that dream is ever going to come to life, I believe my God is big enough to do something new. Behold, I am doing a new thing. So whether your dream has been buried and it still has a heartbeat, or maybe you're in here and you don't even have a dream, I believe God wants to give you one. And it may not be in this, just in this moment. It may be in the quiet times, just like he gave me the name of that sweet baby girl in the quiet time writing my journal. I don't know where you are at. It's not my job to know where you're at. It's his job to know where you are at. And you are in the most perfect hands, male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. We are all made new in Christ Jesus. And we are all made for dreams. So if you would stand with me here today, I believe God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. But I want to take a moment, if you are here in this room today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, yes, Pastor Lindsay, you are speaking to me. And there is a dream in my life that I have put on the back burner that I have buried, but I believe right now he's telling me it still has a heartbeat and I need you to pray for me so I could walk out and live out this dream. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand right now and I'm gonna pray for you. That's awesome. Raise it proud. Yes, that's awesome. Hands all over the room. That's amazing. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that you give us purpose. I thank you, God, that you place gifts in us long before we ever come into this world. You know what we're gonna be. And I pray right now that you would give my brothers and my sisters strength to do what they need to do. Father, that they would learn the lessons that you have for them, Lord God, is that walk out this process. That we would begin to count this journey joy and not a burden in the mighty name of Jesus. That, Father, we would recognize that you're not just with us at the finish line. You're walking us out to the destination, hand in hand, arm in arm. God, footstep to footstep, you are walking with us. So I thank you that where my hope is, you are there. I thank you that my faith today can collide with an almighty God who wants only good things for me. Father, your answers are yes and amen. It will be done in the mighty name of Jesus. So I just shred doubt right now. Father, if you said it, it will be done. Give us the clarity, the discernment that only comes from God to know whether something is from you or something is made of us. But God, if it is from you, let us hold tightly to who you are as you walk this out in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.